I'm Tony Preckwinkle, chair of the Cook County Democratic Party, and I'd like to welcome you to The 80, our podcast about the party, its candidates, and its leaders. We're beginning the podcast by interviewing our elected Democratic committee people to discuss their backgrounds and thoughts about the history and future of our party. Today, I'm excited to welcome Gil Viegas, who is alderman and committeeman of the 36th Ward. All right, so Gil, let's begin by telling everybody where the 36th Ward is. Absolutely. Thank you, Tony, for having me. I appreciate it. I love this idea of having the podcast and, and featuring the 80, com 80 committee people. I think it's a good move. Um, the 36th Ward is located on, on the northwest side. Uh, I have the parts of the Hermosa community, Belmont Cragen community, Montclair, a little bit of Dunning, a little bit of Portage Park. So we're on the northwest side of the city. The Bungalow Beltway is how we refer to it. Okay. Now, this is a, a predominantly Puerto Rican-American ward? It's a predominantly... Um, Puerto Rican, uh, but when you get into the Belmont Cragen community, you have such a, a mix diverse. of Latino, yeah, very diverse uh, Latino families there. Okay, all right. Now you are both aldermen and committeemen. Um, when did you come into office? I came into office in the as, as an alderman uh, in 2015, uh, and then I just recently became a committeeman uh, this past election. Okay. So in, in 2015, you became alderman. In 2020, you were, you were elected committee person. Yes, ma'am. OK. All right. So how did you get interested in politics? What brought you to the political well, I come, arena? <laughs> well, I, I can tell. I'll go back. I'll go back. And I, I swear to be quick. As a young boy, I remember my grandmother, who we lived in the uh, what's called Bucktown now. But back then, it wasn't called Bucktown. <laughs> No, Bucktown is, <laughs> is for fancy yuppies. That wasn't <laughs> exactly right. So this is over there by uh, North Avenue and Western. And uh, as the area was changing, you had the old powerhouses there, Rostenkowski and Gabinski, that were the congressmen and aldermen and committeemen as well. And my grandmother, who was bilingual, uh, was visited uh, one time by uh, two gentlemen in suits, Caucasian gentlemen, Polish. And they were talking to my grandmother and I spoke to my grandmother and was a little concerned, like what's going on? And she's like, well, these are two political people that are asking me if I can talk to the building that we lived in, which had about 30 residents to see if they can support uh, Mr. Rostenkowski at the time. And so since my grandmother was bilingual, she made for an excellent precinct captain because she had the ability to speak to the residents. And so that was my first introduction as to what, what what precinct work was and, and and my grandmother kind of said this is how it's done in Chicago and so she kind of schooled me on on uh, community and grassroots or organizing because she was very popular on the block she was the mayor of the block uh, any problems that came up you know all the residents would go to her and she would go visit the alderman and a congressman to make sure that the the issues were addressed so two white guys in suits show up and they're looking for her help <laughs> <laughs> and they're looking for they're looking for my grandmother to say, please, Miss Garcia, please get them to support us. So it, it was it was excellent. But but then so that was my first. But when I was thirteen, um, my mom uh, was involved in politics, and at the time she was excited about Harold Washington. And so I was thirteen years old at the time, and she had me out at a uh, park, uh, helping her pass out palm cards. Uh, because she was excited about the fact that we were going to elect uh, a first African-American uh, mayor for the city of Chicago. And the fact that he had such a, a message of diversity in the tent, uh, that was something that, that resonated with her. And so she's like, I need your help, son. So I went out there and 
and help pass some palm cards. She was she was sometimes uh, you know leave me out there on my own. I say, why why are you taking so many breaks here? What's going on? Here? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> now, now, a little bit more about your, your personal journey. Um, clearly, yeah. you were influenced by your grandmother and your mother. Yes. Um, what about your own history that brought you to public life? Yeah, so um, I, I, um, right after high school, I um, was, not was not ready to go on to, to college. And so I went ahead and enlisted in the Marine Corps. Um, and uh, so I went to the Marines, uh, did four years in the Marines. Uh, there, there during Operation Desert Seal, uh, Desert Storm. Uh, came back, went to uh, Northeastern Illinois on a, um, what's called the Illinois Veterans Grant. So I was eligible uh, to have my tuition reimbursed um, by, uh, by the state because I was a veteran. And I also had the GI Bill as well, so I helped pay for, for the books. Um, and then I, um, after finishing school, um, political science, I then worked uh, for the Teamsters. Uh, and I was a, a union steward. And, and I, I, again, I was elected by my peers who to represent them uh, in negotiations. And so um, I, always had, I always had an interest in uh, public service. I just didn't know uh, in what capacity. And uh, when I worked, I worked in state government for almost 10 years, and then I ran a trade association for three years. Uh, and so I was always interacting with policymakers, um, but then sometimes getting frustrated because they didn't, I felt they didn't go far enough. And so that kind of put me in a position where okay, well then step in the arena and then you can go ahead and make the changes that you're advocating for. So during redistricting of 2010, a vacancy occurred on the Northwest side of the city where they were creating a new uh, Latino uh, ward. And uh, I had an opportunity to throw my hat in the ring. And so I did. And uh, my, the constituents of the 36th ward uh, saw fit to elect me as their alderman. Uh, so much that in 2019, I, I ran unopposed, uh, one of the only um, minority uh, alderman to run unopposed, and really the only neighborhood alderman to run unopposed because the other ones represented the downtown area. Uh, and so I was the only neighborhood alderman that ran unopposed. Oh, that's pretty impressive. What what have been your goals for your tenure in the city council? What have you, what have you been trying to do oh, on behalf of your constituent? Oh, absolutely. So um, I have um, a couple of things. I'll talk a little bit about 2015 uh, to current. In my first term, uh, again, I, I worked, I'm a huge infrastructure proponent. And so I worked during my first term to, to increase uh, the minority women-owned business enterprise goals, something that I know that you were very instrumental in your, during your time in the city, in the city council. So I, I went ahead and got it raised to 26 and six on the construction side. And so I really, 26 minority business enterprise, yes, six it, women business enterprise. Right. right. Now I originally introduced 30 and 10 um, and, you know, obviously to push the envelope. Um, but went ahead and settled. But now we're revisiting that uh, um, during this term here as we're, we're in the midst of a disparity study. Um, another thing that I worked on was, was making sure that as private development was occurring, that there would be uh, the utilization of uh, M and WBE firms on private projects. So as a result, um, I went ahead and introduced a resolution that would require um, that uh, private development would use 66% minority on their contracts. And so uh, the media came to me and said, that's nuts, what are, you, what are you doing? I said, well, they started at zero. So I figured we could meet somewhere in the middle. And so, <laughs> so as a result, we ended up with 30% on private development. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, it's a goal. And, uh, and, and, we're, and uh, a lot of the developers have really um, um, 
they, they, they want to meet that goal. They understand that it makes good business sense to be a partner with the city uh, very, versus being adversarial to the city. So it's been, it's been great communications and, and we made some, we've made some, some great strides in, in building capacity of MWBE firms. Uh, and, and I also took a look at um, uh, looking at some of the policy side of things as well. So I introduced an ordinance to take a look at the implementation of, of, a, of a rulemaking committee for the, from the legislative branch. So in, in Springfield, they have what's called JCAR, Joint Committee on Administrative Rules. But in, and in Congress, they have another rulemaking committee from the legislative side. But in the city council, that, that, that uh, system doesn't exist. As you know, a lot of times we give that authority of promulgating rules to the, to the administration. administration. Yeah, and, and, and it just doesn't come back to the legislative branch. So uh, I'm real close to finally getting it passed. It's been, you know, I, one thing I've learned in government is that you have to be persistent. And patient. <laughs> and patient, yeah. <laughs> persistent and patient. And um, uh, so that's what I'm working. I uh, started in 2015 and uh, up until 2019. Um, then now um, in my second term here, um, I um, am the chairman of the Economic Capital and Technology Committee. And uh, my background is in the infrastructure capital arena. I used to be a deputy director at IGOT and the chief of staff at Capital Development Board. So I held executive positions within government. Those are uh, state agencies. State agencies, correct. And I um, um, went ahead and passed uh, the first capital bill uh, in the city council for almost 20 years. Uh, so we were able to able to get that go have some hearings on it get it get it going and then we ended up finally getting it passed 42 to 8. Um, and but the committee is economic capital and technology and so that on the technology side um, I, I quickly realized that I'm not a technology expert but I know that surround myself with technology experts and that I can be as deadly as a consultant and so what I did was went ahead and formed a working group we have 15 technology CEOs um, and, and they run the gamut, um, and, and senior VPs as well. Uh, they run the largest, larger fir largest firms in the world to the smaller local MWBE IT firms are part of this working group. And it kind of advised me on things that we should be looking at at a municipal level, what are best practices throughout the city, state, country, and sometimes the world. Um, so the biggest, um, so with that working group, we went ahead and said, well, what are we gonna do? We're gonna meet quarterly, but what are, what's our mission? And so uh, I, I tasked them with uh, giving me ideas on how to modernize, innovate, create revenue through technology, efficiency through technology, and also diversity. Uh, when you take a look at Silicon Valley, uh, Palo Alto, there's a huge disparity in uh, minority and women that are in the IT sector. And that's something that I want to uh, grow on and, and, and see how we can bring that into uh, the city of Chicago, especially as we're, we're vying to be a tech hub um, uh, and, and we have a lot of we have a lot of competition. Uh, Boston, Austin, Miami—they've been very aggressive in getting IT firms. But Chicago, there's no reason why we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, uh, we should not be prospering in that sector because we we just have a lot of infrastructure in place that just makes us a, a great player in that space. But we just haven't been intentional. And so, as the chairman of this committee, I'm really pushing uh, to make sure that on the tech side, that we're uh, recruiting and maintaining and retaining rather. Uh, tech firms in the city of Chicago. You know, taking a look at having technology and reimagining how we deliver the city services is what I'm laser focused on uh, because it, it's going to make for a better 
uh, a better uh, interaction with the, with the end user, but it also, there's an opportunity to create some savings. Uh, and there's nothing like a $1 billion deficit in 2022 that's looming as a great motivator to try to find ways to become more efficient. A lot of the, uh, as, as, you, as you know, uh, as the president of the Cook County is that the budget has so many efficiencies and so many uh, one-time fixes that you can do. And then you, have to, then you have to try to find some other efficiencies. And I think tech, technology is, is the, one, the one that I'm looking at. Um, just be, and the reason for the RFI, the request for information is because I've had companies reach out to me and say, we think we can save the city half a, half a billion over five years by implementing this type of technology. And so that got me to thinking, if they're looking at this with just the public information that we have, what about if we allow them to look under the hood and kind of see how government works and say, this is the way we're doing this. This is why we're doing this. How would, how would technology play a role in making it a lot more efficient, uh, thus, cost, thus saving us some, some, some uh, taxpayer money that, that we just cannot go back to the taxpayers anymore. We've got to figure a way to uh, live within our means here. All right. Well, listen, you've clearly got a, a pretty robust tech agenda as yep. chair of, uh, of that committee in the city council. So that's a, a substantive area in which you're, you're clearly interested. Um, what other things are you interested, particularly in the national level, as we see a new democratic administration? Yeah, it, it, I, and I actually sit on two national boards. I actually sit on the uh, Democratic Municipal Official Board, um, and I also sit on the National League of Cities Board, where I'm the uh, vice chair of the large city council, which allows us an opportunity for Chicago to be at that, on that national level to talk about best practices and also talk with our colleagues from different large, uh, large cities. So, so those, are, those are organizations that allow um, local elected officials around the country to share best practices and ideas and you know, innovative ideas. Absolutely, yeah, it, great ideas and, and, and make, make the relationships um, and, uh, and talk about best practices. So that's, I'm excited about that. Obviously with a new administration that's in there, one of the things that they've been focused on uh, is, is putting an end to this pandemic. Uh, unfortunately, the prior administration um, didn't take it seriously. You can tell night and day here. This administration comes in um, just uh, yesterday or this week. The president talked about having enough vaccines for every American by May or June. That, that's that's awesome. I'm glad we we have to get out of this because this is devastating um, our every every everyday American lives. But it's also in in uh, as uh, as policymakers, it's impacting our budgets uh, to the point where you know we we've, we've got it. We've got to we find ourselves in that position as to uh, we have to we want to open up in order to get the revenue, but we still got to make sure that we're doing it in a safe and following the science. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm very grateful that you were willing to take time to be with us uh, for this podcast. Is there any advice you have for for young people who might be interested in a career in, in politics or government as we close out? No, absolutely. Uh, thank you for that question. As, as, as I stated earlier, I was 13 when I first was exposed to this, I would, I would, um, I would encourage um, the Democratic Party um, at the county level, state level, federal level, uh, just to continue investing in, in social media and, and digital platforms so that we, we can reach that younger generation, get them involved uh, and explain to them that you get the government, uh, the, gov the government that you, you get uh, you get it whether you vote for them or not. So you better get involved in the process if you want to see real change. And it starts at the grassroots level, which is 
at the uh, uh, at the committeeman or ward organization level where we're trying to get people exposed and have them make a change at the local level. You know, I'm a, I'm a history teacher and I always say, you know, in a democracy, you may not get the government you deserve, but you will surely get the government you put up with. So <laughs> if, if, you want, if you want to see things, you know, become better, you got to invest some of your time and energy and money uh, to make that happen. I agree and thank you. Absolutely. Th thank you for the investments that you've made in the Cook County Democratic Party and particularly in the party in the 36th Ward. Thank you, Madam President. I appreciate it. Thank you, Gil, for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you.